Hello. It's us again. It sure is. Welcome back to E for Effort. We can't believe you're here. Can we? <laughs> we really can't. Do you know what's actually kind of crazy is it's easier for us to record long distance because we can just do it whenever and we don't have to, I don't have to drive home an hour late from your house or you don't have to drive home an hour right. late from my house. It's well, actually kind of easier. We should just continue this long distance. I should have I should have abandoned other. you like a year ago. It was really yeah. what it came down to. Just kidding, you never should have abandoned me because I miss you so much. I know, I miss you too. How's it going? How's it hanging? Loosen to the left. Wait, I was just, okay, so naturally I was watching an Office episode. As you do. Dwight, I've also restarted the Office, so congratulations. We're depressed, it's Obviously. fine. I'm, <laughs> I'm at the um, episodes with Idris Elba. Oh. Where he's like he comes in as like the new regional manager. What's his name? Or Charles. Charles yes, Minor. Charles. <laughs> yes. 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 Um, he works in steel or whatever. Yeah. Um. Okay. So Dwight and Michael are trying to get a hold of David Wallace yes. because they're like, "What the hell is going on here? Why is he taking our job?" And uh, so Michael calls and he can't get through, and he's like trying to like you know be desperate with the with the receptionist, and she won't put him through. So Dwight's like, no, Michael, you have to charm her. <laughs> and he's like, what? And he calls back. And he's like, hey, how are you? How's it going? How's your day? And he's like, how's it hanging? And it's like so awkward. Because he, he had it, and then he had it, and how's it hanging? And it's yeah. weird. Just and like- then he pretends to have Davis Wallace's son in the back <laughs> of his car. And it just is off the rails from there. So that's exactly how our intro went, right? That was the parallel. Pretty much. Pretty much. We've always been uh, really good at slating, so I think it's kind of on brand for us to have totally nailed it. Right. And so before we go any further, I'm going to tell you this time to like us on social. Yes. And interact with us on social. Yes. At E for Effort Pod on Instagram or Twitter or Facebook or email us. Tell us to stop. We don't care. E, e-, e for Effort podcast at gmail.com yeah you can email us and tell us to stop we won't listen but you can certainly do it this is a free country still as of right now Uh, remember how the rock the vote movement didn't make anyone vote though we all just like had t-shirts yeah i remember seeing it at warp tour and i was like "Hmm, and you're like i'm not 18 yet that's exactly what it was (laughs) i was like i'm 17 i can't even vote yet, oh dude i think i was still in middle school when that happened i don't think you were 17 were you I don't, I don't dude i don't know honestly ago. anything before high school is kind of a blur to me except watching Great. supernatural i very vividly recall that as i've mentioned now in three episodes i heard a lot of kids vape now in high school so i have to say i'm really glad i grew up in an era that did not vape i think though that our version of vaping was hookah i remember hookah being a really big deal hookah was a big thing you're right you're because right. it was like oh it's not tobacco man and then man i tell you one time i went to a party and i smoked hookah and i threw up for a year and a half it made hookah me so yeah. sick do you know who really loves uh hookah is Maddie though well, but Medi has like, like a real like a reason, right? Isn't that yes. like part of his culture? That makes sense to me. Yes. A bunch of white kids in Houston, Texas, smoking hookah, thinking they're cool, when really right. we're just getting sick and you're still smoking. Like it's still not good for you. It's the same thing with vaping. Vaping Accurate. is still not good. For, like, like smoking anything is probably not good for you. I don't know. I'm not a doctor. But. No, I think I think you're correct. That's smart. 
How is it in Texas? It's fine. Guys, okay, so if you're not, you, if you're listening, you actually are probably from Texas, because we actually got a huge spike in Texas downloads. What up, T-Town? Uh, sorry, that was really lame. Um, Alex is judging me, and I feel uncomfortable. Just be glad you can't watch the Skype video of this. (laughs) I thought this was a safe space. Um, but no, so Texas, if, if you're not familiar with the climate of Texas, you get, they don't get, it doesn't get, like, seasons here we get like cold fronts so it's like it never like just you know how in chicago it like oh it's october it's time for it to just be cold now like all the time it's just cold now in texas it's like no it's still hot um but we're getting a cold front this weekend so it'll be in the 50s so i know today it was like in the 60s or the 50s and so i was like do I need to go find, like, my jacket? Like, I, what is, I was promised that I move home and it's not cold anymore. So, I, you know. But, so it's getting a little chilly here, um, which I'm, like, not stoked about. But also I'm kind of okay with it. I can wear my sweaters, which is apparently all I own. A lot of sweaters in my wardrobe that I did not have. Listen, sweaters are great. Sweaters are great. The problem is, I just know it's not going to stay cold. You know, if I was guaranteed that it was going to be in the 50s forever now, then I'd be okay. But, like, I'm pretty sure it's going to go back up. I don't know. Okay, so what's, like, the normal temperature then? I would say, like, 70s. For wintertime, it's, like, 70s. Sometimes it goes down to the 60s. Huh. But it's, I mean, okay. it's hot. It's humid. It's been raining. It's been raining here like crazy. So I will definitely be coming to visit you this winter then, is what you're saying. I mean, you could. Like, literally, I think that I've had a pool party in, like, February before. Wow. Do you know what I do in February? I Freeze. Exactly what you do in February. Because yeah. I also did it in February, and it sucks. I, like, dig myself out of the igloo that is my car. In oh my god! February. So the other day, I was cleaning out my car, and I found my little windshield scraper, and I got all sad in Miss Chicago because I don't need that here at I was all. Say, I feel like I need another one. So if you want to, I'll give just me ship that, it up to you when I bring you your present that I definitely got you, and you're gonna die when you see it. You're gonna be so excited. I can't wait for this. Today's um, the best day ever. How's Chicago? It's cold. Uh, yeah, Chicago went from summer, literally, like, 80 degrees to um, so cold you could see your breath. I was wearing a scarf, and it didn't even hit, like, 40. Um, I hated it. Hated every second of that temperature drop. Today evened out a little more. It's more like 60 today, so, like, I didn't completely hate my life, thankfully. Yeah. Um, Are you prepping? Are you bunkering down for the... for? Because winter is coming. Did you get winter that? Winter is coming. Yeah, Medi and I, um, we went to the Columbia Outlet store oh, um, so on our good. way up. It was so good. On our way up to um, see Kevin Hart for our anniversary. And oh, yeah, bought, how was that? It was awesome. Yeah. Um, but we bought uh, winter coats. So we bought, like, his and her winter coats, which was really, oh, really nerdy. That is the we most adorable, them. lamest Chicago thing I've ever heard. Yeah, it was pretty lame. But uh, no, Kevin Hart was awesome. But his openers were even greater. I wish I could remember any of their names currently. I can't. Oh my god! Um, Every comedy show I go to, the openers are so good. Do you know what I thought was crazy? Um, is he? They were so good. You're right, and I will find out their names. Um, 
But I thought it was crazy. This was a tour where you can't have your phone out at all. So for like the entirety of the show, no one could have their phone even like out. It had to be in a pocket, a purse, whatever. It had to be off. Well, I mean, it and makes if they sense. Saw, well, yeah, if they saw you take it out, then you got escorted from the show. And we well, thought it was I mean, like, he's... okay, sure. No. Well, he's a big they, like, deal. really escorted people. Yeah, because he was releasing all new content or is releasing all new content for a Netflix special or some mm-hmm. sort of comedy special. I don't know. And uh, he didn't want any of it leaking, which I get. And it was really cool because at the end he was like, okay, now take out your phones, take as many pictures as you want out there. And he just like <laughs> stood on stage and like posed essentially, yeah, which was awesome. But um, no, it was really fun. It was the Irresponsible Tour. It was great. It was the second time that he saw it. He went and saw it with, like, his bros earlier in the year. And then yeah. I was like, wait, I want to go. So we went for our anniversary. Oh, very sweet. The couple that laughs together buys coats together. Nailed it. Stays warm together from all those belly laughs. From all those belly laughs. The blood pumping. I hate it. Um, we're, we're okay, horrible. so wait, though. In, um, in my notes section, I have literally started... Um, just like writing things down that I need to tell you during the day but don't have like a chance to text you oh my god that's so sad that we like have to do that now um yes okay so I I only have two things right now but the first was that I started watching the British version of the office which I know came first obviously um, because I was so desperate for new office content yeah because I've recycled it and watched it so many times yes um and did you know that Dwight character is in Pirates of the Caribbean? Wait, what? Who is he? Yeah. He's like one of the the pirates. The blonde pirate that like his eye pops out. Oh, the that skinny tall plays, one? Yeah, that's who plays Dwight in the Do office, you know the British version of the office? Do you know that the guy who plays Jim is in um like everything now? Yeah, but it's but um oh he was I I remember him being in the Christmas British thing. Oh my god, I've seen it a million Love Actually. Oh, that was oh. like literally all twelve of our listeners were screaming Love Actually just then. I've he's in never... Love Actually. He's the guy in the he's the guy in the porn scene. Oh. With the girl that's super awkward. I think fact check me if I'm wrong, but I think that's him. He also plays Watson in the new Adventures of Sherlock Holmes alongside yeah. Benedict Cumberbatch. Mm. Benedict Cumberbatch is so attractive. Um, well, what did you think? Was it good? I don't love British humor. I don't get it as much. Um, I do love British humor. I think it's hilarious and dry and perfect. I had the volume too low to fully understand it, I'll be honest. So <laughs> it's a subtitles thing. <laughs> Pretty much. Uh, I do find Ricky Gervais really funny, too, though. Ricky so. Gervais is so good. Yeah, so I got to rewatch that. Um, but I also, the other note that I have is that I found the perfect fall red lipstick. <gasps> you know how I feel about this. Tell me everything. I need a full report. It is by Maybelline of all brands, thankfully. Of course because it's, it is. It's cheap, thank God. Maybe it she was forever. born with it. Maybe it's Maybelline. Maybe it fits right in my budget. It's awesome. It's called Voyager, and it is the perfect shade of red. I think... Do I have that one? Possibly. It's a Superstay? Yep. Is it like... No, the one I have is like almost brown. The one I have is not almost brown. It's... I believe it's called Voyager, and it is a deep red. It's perfect. It's matte. 
It does not move during the day. It's great. No, I have Pioneer. That's the Ooh. perfect Taylor Swift red from Maybelline Superstay. Voyager, Ooh. every time I go, I think is like sold out. Let me... I can't... This is so pathetic. I seriously have so many in my purse that I don't even know which one is which. Yeah, I don't have Voyager. All right, well, I'll have to get it. I'm super stoked. I promise it changed my life. Okay, I'm ready. I oh love my God. it. I love a good fall red. Um, Me too. I also, so I don't know where I packed any of my scarves. I need to find them because it's like finally like I can wear them now. Like my big blanket scarves and stuff. Um, and I don't know why I told you that. I just, I guess I needed to. I don't have any cool things that I like write down that I need to talk to you about. It's okay. I'm going to start it's... doing that. That's a really good idea. No, it's probably just that I'm like, you know, bored. Or no, it's like Alex desperate. I... I don't know. <laughs> we text two. like pretty much throughout the day. But there are times when like I'm so busy and I can't like text you, but things happen that I need to tell you about. Um That's but exactly I can't what happened I to me. Yeah. Okay. Well I need to start writing them down because right now they're just flying out my out of my, my brain. My it's my right. sad, tired, pickled brain. You're doing great. You're doing really um, okay. great. Okay. How are we doing? Okay. Well you wanna teach me something? Yeah. I think it's your okay. turn to go first. I'm going first this week. How exciting. Um, all right. So this week, I am going to educate you on... You about to educate Loch- me? Yeah. On the Loch Ness Monster. <gasps> Ooh! Okay, so I purposely didn't do something spooky because I've been doing a lot of spooky stuff recently. Okay, so that's actually why I did this one. Is because... <gasps> I was listening to Lore. I like I go in spurts with Lore. Sometimes I'm like super into it. I'll watch I'll listen to like yeah. eight episodes at a time. Yeah. Um and then I like get out of it and listen to like I just I don't even know. It's too like for me, I listen to a lot of podcasts while I'm driving. Yeah. Um and Lore is too spooky for me to listen to at night. So like if I'm driving home from work, it's too spooky. But if I'm I can't it's too like his voice is too melodic and the story and I like yes. I can't do it in the morning. It makes me more tired. I actually also can't listen to case file in the morning. I can only I listen to either. case file on my way home. I, in the morning I like to listen to like last podcast on the left or Abe Lincoln's top hat or um, Sword and Scale or My Favorite Murder. Like something that's like more I, I can't, Yeah, I can't have anything that's like melodic or soft or anything because I I've and it's so factually detailed like you like it's just a lot it's a lot yeah yeah. but i love like if i have like if i'm on a plane and i can just like sit there and listen for like four hours right i love to binge all of lore yes yes so i actually do it a lot of the time when i'm walking shadow like i'll listen to a couple episodes which is it's such a bad idea i do that with case file too which is really bad especially in the fall because we walk at night so like girl essentially i'm just asking for to like be a case file. something to right something to come out of the woods and just like attack us or something which speaking of we saw a coyote tonight which was <gasps> terrifying on our yeah walk but uh, shads could take a coyote shads is That's strong what, there was a guy in my neighborhood that was like, oh, I wouldn't worry about it. I don't think that coyote's going to try and mess with Shad. Yeah. It's like, yeah, I know. Or anyways, you by association. So anyways, um, so I was listening to Laura again. I was just like kind of jumping back in and I picked a random episode. Um, it was something about the water. And I was like, Ooh, like, I like it was, uh, it was called Mind the Gap, I think. 
and it was about water monsters. Um, Love it. So it was about the Kelpie legends and how like they kind of got started with this like um, water horse legend, and it mm-hmm. was to keep kids away from the water essentially, so they like wouldn't drown. This is how it started. So they would Smart. like try and keep kids out of the water, out of the forest, all that. Um, and so yeah, so it kind of sparked me down this like Loch Ness thought because um, I was trying to figure out what I was going to talk about today. And then also, um, I was going through old photos recently, and I found a little Mm. picture of little Alexandra standing in front of an Edinburgh castle, decked out in all plaid. I was probably seven years old. Yes! Oh my god, I love it. I was straight up in, like, gloomy Scotland, and I was like, screw it, I'm going to talk about the Loch Ness Monster today. I love it. I'm so excited go tell me everything i need the loch ness monster is actually not a monster that i am very familiar with because while it fascinates me i feel like it's kind of one-dimensional so i i only need to like listen to one thing about it i don't need to like learn so many things about it but in doing that i don't really know much about it at all so tell me everything. so okay so the loch ness monster is kind of one-dimensional because everybody's account of the loch ness monster is pretty much the same So, it started in Scottish folklore, um, and it's said to inhabit the Loch Ness in the Scottish Highlands. Um, Loch Ness is a body of water, um, so that's how it got its name. It's described as a large in size serpent, almost, with a long neck and one or more humps protruding from the water. So, the best way I can think to describe this is, if you don't know what the Loch Ness monster looks like, it kind of looks like a cute dinosaur i yeah. think like a like a cute little bronchosaurus herbivore. right is exactly. that what they are bronchiosaurus right. is there yes like, like sticking its head out of the water yeah. coming up for air yeah i personally think they're cute as hell or it's cute as hell i don't know it yeah also- but i i hear you like i do and i think dinosaurs are cute as hell but if i saw one in the lake by my house i would poop my pants like i right. it's still huge and terrifying you know what i mean if- in fairness, if I saw anything in the water swimming Fair. towards me, I would be scared. Fair. So Fair point. Definitely. It's easy for me to say, um, as I am in America, far away from Scotland, <laughs> far away from this Loch Ness. Yeah, I think the Loch Ness monster's super cute. Sure. If I was there, might think differently. Well, and it's like, okay, so on the scale of, like, Mothman to Loch Ness, like, Loch Ness is way cuter than the Mothman. Right. So it's like, in, yeah, in, in the monster scale, it's probably one of the cuter monsters. And essentially, it's not going to bother you unless you decide to get your butt in to do some laps in the Loch Ness. It's Bam. not going to come Just like Houston. sharks, man. You can't, you, you're in their territory, okay? Right. They're going to eat you. That's how so, nature works. Unfortunately, it does have like a little bit of scary element to it. <gasps> so it's not as cute and friendly as like I think it is. Um, it's described as, as having a jaw, like, rimmed in razor-sharp teeth, which, mm. less cute, yeah. more sharkish, less cute. <laughs> we're, go- we're going away from the cute scale. <laughs> um, people describe it as a monster fish, a dragon, and a sea serpent. Um, its nickname is Nessie, which I think also adds so to, like, the cute, cute factor. Yeah. Like, yeah. come on. Yeah. Okay. So, Nessie um, was, the first photo of Nessie ever to be circulated was in 1933. Um, It was a man uh, named Hugh Grant, which, not Uh, the actor. The Hugh Grant? 
not the actor. Yeah. Um, and he took it while he was walking his Labrador, which I thought was really cute. He's <gasps> oh out walking God. his dog, but he saw this like giant ass monster sticking out of the. When was this? Did I miss the year? 1933. Got it. Uh, people later disprove it, discredit it, and say it's all a hoax. Sure. Whatever. Okay. Haters. Whatever. Haters gonna hate. Haters are just right. The earliest actual account of it and the first like sighting that was ever in print was in the 6th century um, and it was by I'm not going to say this right Adamnan I think sure I sounded it out I asked Wikipedia how to say it I think it's Adamnan I mean I'm um, not going to tell you anything different but maybe Twitter will right so essentially he was staying in the Picts which is a town mm. um, and there was an Irish monk that was staying there too so the Irish monk St. Columba He's staying in the picks, and he encounters locals burying a man. And he goes over to see, like, what's going on? Because he's being, <laughs> he's being, like, buried by the Loch Ness. So they're like, and he's like, okay, what's, what's happening here? Um, and as it turns out, the man has been attacked, and he's, like, mauled and dead. And he's still trying to, like, figure it out. And the, the locals say that he was mauled by a monster in the lock, the lock mess. Mm. And the guy is like, we got to get to the bottom of this. So <laughs> The bottom of the lock. Nailed it. <laughs> so Columba essentially sends some, like, poor follower, which sounds to me like an intern, and it's basically like, get in the water. And you know he was just so stoked to not have to get coffee that morning, and then it was like, no, just kidding, you're gonna go search for a monster in this lock. Totally. Oh, poor kid. Unpaid interns. The poor kid. The real MVPs of of Scotland. Honestly. He's just really the OG here. Uh, He gets in the water, he starts swimming, and he encounters the beast. Well, duh. Sweet Nessie. He in, he encounters sweet baby Nessie. All right. So it's said that he makes the sign of the cross because while he's, he's in the water, monk. so he's like he's like treading water while he making the sign. He can tread water with one hand apparently, and I'm makes the impressed. sign of the cross with the other. Okay. And at this moment, it's said that like the the monster turns and pushes herself so far away from him that it's like she's pulled back by ropes. So it's like the devil is like. So she's been, the ba- she's a know. bad guy. Apparently. Oh, poor Nessie. Apparently she's possessed by the devil. That That's sucks. what the legend is. So, anyways, he swims back out of the water and he's like, guys. Yeah, but he gets the hell out of there. <laughs> Bye. <laughs> right. He's like, guys, I did a thing. Monsters under control. They rejoice, and all of that. Intern and of the year, pieces. right there. He pieces the hell out. Nessie pieces the hell out. Everyone gets out, and the townspeople rejoice over this miracle. And the story's over, right? Cool. So, actually, for that time, it is. But then again, in 1871, 1933, 1933 again, 1934, there are new sightings of this monster. They periodically pop up every so often from the 6th century. They're just not in print. But yeah. in 1871, they are. There's a letter to the editor that's sent. In 1933, there's another letter. 1933, again, that's when the dog picture was happening. And then in 1934 comes about this surgeon's photo. So the surgeon's photo is, like, 
something that's been investigated quite a bit. It's pretty famous. And the reason it's called a surgeon's photo is because there's a doctor uh, named Dr. Wilson. He's an OBGYN. He basically wants nothing to do with this, but he's the one that finds the picture. <laughs> and he's like, I don't want my name affiliated with this. I don't want this on my record. Just, just call me the surgeon. So they do. Um, so it's the first photo of Nessie that really fully shows like her neck and head and like her protruding from the water the other one from 1933 that Hugh Grant walking his dog took is like kind of blurry Mm -hmm. this one's more like no that's a straight up monster in the water um so it's been analyzed scrutinized debated ever since um and time and time again it's disproven and finally they come clean so uh it was a practical joker that's friends with the surgeon essentially that like basically stages the Loch Ness Monster. They use a a toy submarine. Yeah. They use a toy submarine and wood putty to kind of create the shape of the Loch Ness. They take a picture of it. He gives the photo to Wilson. Wilson thinks it's real. He gives it to someone else to be analyzed. They think it's real. Poor guy. whole thing's just a practical joke, a big hoax, unfortunately. Um, But... There have been so many searches and so many documentaries since then um, to try and find the real Loch Ness Monster because basically people think it's straight up real. Um, They did a search in 1934 following the picture. They did in uh, 1962 to 1972, actually, there's a group that forms called the Loch Ness Phenomena Investigation Bureau. Uh, They're from the UK and there is literally over a thousand members in 1969 that are dedicated to trying to find and solve the mystery of the Loch Ness Monster. It's kind of amazing. I mean it's pretty impressive but at the same time it's a little much but I mean we all have hobbies. It's kind of like us being murderinos I guess you know. Yeah or starting our own podcast. Exactly. Exactly. No I get it it's just like it's, I mean, it's, it was a fake picture. Exactly. Then, in 1967 to 1968, there's a sonar study done. And as recent as 2008, there's still studies being done in the Loch Ness trying to investigate this um, and trying to find proof that she does, in fact, exist. Um, even the BBC launched uh, an investigation Um, They had a documentary called Searching for the Loch Ness Monster that aired in 2003, and it was inconclusive. So basically, (laughs) she does not want to be found. If she exists, she's pretty confident in that she does not want you to know about it. So let's leave Nellie alone. All right. I thought it was or Nessie. Not, I'm sorry, Nessie. Let's leave no Nessie one leave alone. Nellie alone. Nellie leave knows Nellie what alone do. too. <laughs> Nellie doesn't want your your BS. He doesn't either. need it. He doesn't need it. So let's leave Nessie alone too. Um, all right. So Nessie, fast fact, means pure. 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 She's cute. Oh, Which is why cute. she's such a cute monster. I think. Yeah. No. I listen. I I dig it. I think she's a cute monster too. So these are just random facts about the lock, too. So the lock itself is actually 812 feet deep in one section. Good That's the area that they consider Nessie's lair. So that's where they kind of think that she lives because it's so deep. Mm -hmm. Um, And it also, the lock never freezes. 
So because of that, it produces a steam when it gets, mm-hmm. like, really cold. Yeah. Which kind of adds to this, like, gloomy, picturesque body of water that would be, like, perfect for a monster to live in. Got it. It also has two layers of radioactive sediment on the bottom. Radioactive things are what I think of when I think of, like, mutants. Yeah, like, I think 100%. of the Ninja Turtles. Or the Kim Possible episode where they have the, the lake... And they get yep. gills. Um, I think of Alex Mack, the secret world that she lived in on Nickelodeon yes. in my childhood. Of course. Um, I think of you superheroes are. and supervillains. All yeah. of that. Right. So it's easy for me to think that there is, in fact, some sort of mutated animal living in this that has yeah, come but out of this radioactivity. How long has the radioactivity been there? Like, since the beginning of time? Because if the first person saw it in, like, the whatever, 1600s or something. Do I look like National Geographic to you? (laughs) In what world do you know that answer? No. Listen, listen, if you can't take the hard facts, (laughs) then you get out of this podcast. Get out. Um, also, okay, so some people think that she's a, they do think that she might be a dinosaur. So there's a dinosaur. Oh yeah, birds are dinosaurs. Right. So there was a marine dinosaur 205 million years ago that roamed the earth and it was called Plesiosaurus. So they think that that could have technically, maybe, you know, maybe she got frozen. Maybe she's a bazillion years old. Maybe the radioactive sediment brought her back to life. I don't know. I don't know how it works. But I do know. I'm not a scientist. I don't know science. Um, I do know that there have been over a thousand sightings since that 6th century situation. And there are about 20 every year of, like, really impassioned people that come forward and are like, no, I straight up have proof proof that the Loch Ness Monster exists. Um, and the last little fun fact for you is that uh, Dr. Rines, so he is the man that searched for the Titanic years ago, spent years upon years oh also God. searching for the Loch Ness Monster, but unfortunately had no luck. So, you know, his legacy remained finding the Titanic. <laughs> I mean, but him. what a legacy to but, have, though. But no, you should go look for Atlantis. Yeah. So wait, so, uh, do, the real question is, do you think the Loch Ness Monster is real? Of course I do. Absolutely. Really? I, think there's, I do. I believe in that kind of stuff. I'm sure she just doesn't I mean, found. I do too. I believe that the Mothman is real, but, oh, I and I believe in aliens, believe in 100%. But I just, there's something, because, okay, here's my question. We all know I'm, I have the geography crown. Yes. I know everything about geography, like Naturally, that West Virginia yeah. is a state. And so, is the lock, like, how big is the lock, and how, does it connect to other things? Because, like, how is something that big living in that ecosystem? See, okay, I just watched Like, does it have enough fish to eat? I don't know. It's supernatural. Maybe it doesn't need fish. Okay, this thing has not been around for 200 million years, and it doesn't eat fish. I'm trying to find how big the actual lock is. Because, like, if the lock is, like, connected to an ocean, then, yeah, like, maybe, yeah, I could see. But, like, I, I just don't understand how something that big lives in a lake. Like, in my mind, a lake is, like, small, and, like, there's barely even any fish in it. Like, if a shark can't live in it, how does a monster live in it? 
You know what I mean? In most, okay, so it says in most of the lock, it's 750 feet deep, which is pretty deep. Pretty, and pretty holds, deep. It holds more water than all the lakes and rivers in England and Wales combined. Okay. Uh, it's also the so second largest lock by surface area and the largest in volume. So, I mean, it's it's a decent-sized lock. Do I think yeah. that it's realistic that it really, really lives there? I mean, most signs point to no in the same way that okay. Bigfoot's probably not real. But... Bigfoot's 100% real. Bigfoot's real. But here's my deal. Do I believe that things like that probably live in the ocean? Hell yeah. We've only dis- We've only been able to explore, like what 20 percent of the ocean some crazy small number like who knows what lives in the ocean see that's what i'm saying i I saw it could like sea monsters could be real the meg was clearly you saw meg non-fictional movie right no it was it's based on science obviously so false but the idea alex we can't take hard stances like that on our podcast or we're gonna lose listeners we're going to go down to three listeners instead of four. We're going to cool. go all the way. Hey, we had 14 downloads this week. I'd say we're doing pretty Dang. good. Dang. Three of it. them were me. Same. So basically we had two downloads. Two downloads. We'll take it. Either way, the whole point or start of that movie is that they're exploring a new like underlayer of the ocean. That yeah. exposes a new ecosystem. That's where the Meg lives. So it's entirely possible okay. to me that this supernatural herbivore dinosaur lives in the bottom of this ecosystem. Okay. And it's just like popping up for air every time she's bored or needs attention. So that's that. Well, excellent job, Alex. I feel much more knowledgeable about Scotland and locks and Catholic priests and how if so listeners this is a good example if you find yourself up against a monster you just do the sign of the cross and you're fine it's really easy i do it right here bam protected done from the loch ness monster devil apparently yeah i don't i don't appreciate the like why is it got to be a devil like if it's a if it's a if it's a if it's a dinosaur because just let it be that. I mean, nah, really, it's though. because it's a girl. Was it her time of month? <laughs> okay. So what are you going to tell me about? Okay. Well, so if you follow us on Instagram, at E for Effort Pod. you did. Right? Is that right? At E for Effort Pod? Yeah. Yeah, you did. Follow us on Instagram, at E for Effort Pod. You are aware that I was in the great city of New Orleans. Um, New Orleans. I know that I've mentioned this before on the podcast, um, but my family's from there. So um, I've been to New Orleans a bazillion times. My family's from like the suburbs though, so I've only been to the quarter like a handful of times in my life. I didn't go until the Saints went to the Super Bowl um, back in like I think 2010. Um, So it's been, that was the first time I went to the quarter ever. So it's been a minute. So, I love New Orleans. I go there a lot. I'm, it's very part, the Kate, like the, the food and the atmosphere and the, the um, heritage of New Orleans is very much in my, my soul. Um, and so, in honor of New Orleans, I figured that I would teach you today about a culinary legend from New Orleans. And it ties in my other favorite love, which is Disney. She is the real life inspiration behind 
Princess Tiana from Princess <gasps> and the Frog. Aww. Um, her name is Leah Chase. And I think it's totally possible, listeners of this podcast who've been here since the beginning, I, I might have told you this story already on this podcast that I'll get to later, but I definitely have not gone into detail about her. So we're going to do that now. I tell this story like all the time because I think it's hilarious. My story about Leah Chase, but we'll get there later. So Leah Chase is absolutely amazing. She is definitely an inspiration. She is very well spoken. And when she, when you're at something that she's like talking at, it's really hard not to just tell that she is very, very, um, like, genuine. She's clearly been through a lot. She clearly knows a lot of stuff. And her wisdom is through, is gained through hard work and um, through really living, you know? It's not, like, bullshit. It's, like, she really, she knows, like she feels this way because she's experienced so much in her life. Right. Um, so, uh... Let's learn about a real-life Disney princess, which is also, like, my dream. I mean, she's living my dream. She gets to live in New Orleans, eat food there all the time, and she's a Disney princess. I mean, that's, like, what else could you... What could you need? So, Leah Chase I mean, it it kind of is, like, one day. Please. I have to do something cool like Leah Chase, though, so we'll figure it out later. We'll brainstorm about it. Um, So, Leah Chase was born on January 6th, 1923. She's still alive. Uh, And she was born in Madisonville, Louisiana. Um, She was one of 11 children. Her family was Catholic, so that... Dang again. um, Yeah, I mean, that's a common thing. My grandma was one of nine children, I think. Uh, No, she had 10 brothers and sisters. Yeah. Wow. Uh, Something like that. Like, a lot of kids. Like, that's very common. Especially in the South. Especially in, um, like, the Catholic communities. They have a lot of kids. Just just what happens. Um, She was a child during the Great Depression... Um, so that kind of plays into her attitude about food a little bit. She talks about it a lot. They lived, basically, they, uh, lived on produce that they grew themselves. Um, it definitely, Chase definitely describes this if you read, like, a lot of this information I'm getting is coming from Wikipedia, my own knowledge, and an Oprah.com magazine article about her. And there's a, a podcast called, um... Southern Grits, I think, or what's... It? Oh, it's called Good Grits Podcast. And uh, they Sounds they read, Southern. like, a story. and So, um, it's... I've just kind of... This is an amalgamation of me, like, pulling it together, so forgive me if it's a little scattered. She grew up during the Great Depression, so they lived primarily on the produce and stuff that they um, were able to grow themselves. So, she describes... So, Chase, in articles, kind of describes this as um, kind of where her love affair with food and how... Um, important food is to her life. Um, she talks about how basically you learned about what food grew where and what you could eat and what you couldn't eat. You know, you wanted a blueberry, you went and picked a blueberry. It really kind of made you appreciate food and it made you appreciate, she said not just like food, but you appreciate things. You know, you, you live on what you have and you appreciate it because it sustains you. Madisonville uh, was a segregated town. There was no high school for black children to attend, um, so Chase had to move to New Orleans to go to high school. Now, a lot of, I realize I'm a, 
cis white woman talking about a very important person in the African-American and the, uh, you know, culture. And I, I, I realize that I'm not like qualified to do that, but I hope that you can appreciate it through my clear appreciation for her and the research that I did that I'm trying really hard to be very sensitive about it because she was a huge, huge person in the civil rights movement, which we get into a little bit later. Um, especially in, at least in New Orleans. So after high school, she moved, she worked a couple of odd jobs. Like one of them was like being a, um, a bookie for a fighter or something. Like she worked just like all (laughs) kinds of crazy. I mean, it's like, you know, it's, you're trying to survive. You're trying to make enough money to feed yourself. Um, and she had to, you know, go be on her own in high school. She had to move to New Orleans, live with like an aunt, um, to attend high school and just to get her education. So after um, high school, she moves. She works a couple of odd jobs before getting a job waitressing at the um, Colonial Restaurant in the French Quarter in the 1940s. Um, she talks about, so Chase talks about um, in the Oprah article how it was like unheard of um, for a black woman, um, a black girl, to work at a restaurant in the quarter. It was very much. Um, always, she didn't always have it easy. She talks about how it wasn't a thing to be a chef. Like, you didn't want to be a chef, and now it is, and it's kind of a big deal for her because she's always loved food and waitressing. She talks about how, um, since it was during segregation, she had never, like, seen the inside of a restaurant. And it really kind of... I know. And, and she, you know, she really, she really lived for it. She loved the atmosphere. She loved waiting on people. She talks about how she loved watching them eat, which is like, so to me, it sounds weird. Cause I'm like, you love watching people eat, but if you truly enjoy like food and you enjoy making it and serving right. it, you enjoy, it's like, I get a lot of enjoyment out of watching people watch scary movies. Like I'm one of those people. And so, cause I like to watch your reaction. I like to see you get scared and to see you feel the things that I felt. And so I think that it's something similar to that where she just, she liked to watch, um, people eat. And it goes without saying that she was a super hard worker in the 19, in 1946, she married her husband, Dookie Chase. Uh, his family owned, it, yeah, it's Dookie. Name. It's literally said it's Dookie. His family owned a stand that sold like lottery tickets and po' boys boy sandwiches so if you don't know what a po' boy is it is basically imagine like the most deliciously perfect baked french bread that like flaky crumbly like good french oh, bread yeah i'm talking about yum. you cut it down you cut it and you fill it with like lettuce tomatoes i mean i like seafood po' boys so i like them filled with like fried um shrimp or fried uh oysters yum. or you can also do like grilled or you can do it with like lunch meats i mean it's 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 just a ver- it's a new orleans sandwich that is like quintessential almost every place you go into in new orleans has one i can't even tell you the best place to go um because they're literally it's one of those things it's like deep dish pizza in chicago every place you go Mm -hmm. with deep dish pizza in chicago is good some people like giordano's people like you know yeah some people like limonati's like but they're all good it's like every Mm -hmm. boy some people have their places they like to go there's this place out by where my um aunt lives out in the suburbs that they literally have like a hundred shrimp po' boy there's like a hundred shrimps ooh. on this pub boy. It is so good. That's my favorite place, but I can't think of the name of it. I would subscribe um, to New Orleans right now for that sandwich. That sounds I mean, amazing. I'm not going to lie. DA and I definitely just ate and drank all weekend. And it was so much fun. That sounds um, amazing. That's the so, 
so his so Dookie Chase's family stand sold lotto tickets and po' boy sandwiches, which is like the most perfect. Like I just picture it, I see it, I I smell it. Um, I bet they were delicious. Uh, so Chase began working in the kitchen, and eventually she and Dookie turned it into a sit-down restaurant, which is, like, a really big deal to take it from wow. a stand to a sit-down restaurant, and, um, you know that was her, like, hard work, like, let's roll up our sleeves, let's, like, let's make this, you know. So, Leah then started to take over updating the menu to reflect more of, like, her family's Creole recipes, like, the food that her family cooked, mm-hmm. um, and, and less just, like, I guess, fast casual type food. During the 1960s, Dookie Chases became a meeting place for the African Americans um, in the community to talk about strategies during the Civil Rights Movement. So, um, basically, local civil rights leaders would, like, meet there and discuss plans and, like, what they were going to do. And eventually, leaders like MLK, the Freedom Riders, would meet there in secret to discuss their plans. Um, what a and cool Leah would opportunity serve... to win, or to, to, oh, not even... Just like your own restaurant, but to own a meeting place and a gathering place. Yeah, like to be a part of it. Work. Right. And what's cool about it is like Leah got to serve them gumbo and fried chicken while they were doing this. And it's like, so you're fueling change and like you're fueling the future and you're fueling these great minds. And I'm just, I mean, I can't speak for her, but I can only imagine how amazing that would be. Um, It must be very rewarding. I can't even imagine. And I, I can't, you know, like looking back, I bet it was cool then, but I bet it's super cool now to like yeah, look back and think about. Yeah. So, uh, like Dookie Chase is 100%. And she talks about it, I think, with a lot of pride. Like when I've heard her speak in person, which I'll get to later. Um, and she does talk about it with a lot of, a lot of pride, and she should. Um, so Absolutely. Dookie Chase's became, uh, critical when the Freedom Riders came down to learn about the Baton Rouge bus boycott. So I don't know if people know this or not, um, but King and the Freedom Riders were planning their own boycott in Montgomery, um, kind of based on what they did in Baton Rouge. So I didn't, I didn't know that that, I'd only heard of the the Montgomery boycott. I had not heard of um, that one in Baton Rouge. So Dookie Chases was so popular that even local law enforcement who knew about the illegal meetings, and I'm like super doing them in quotations because it kind of blows my mind as like a, a, you know, a white person who's had privilege her whole life. And like, I can't imagine, like, it makes me think of, I, I don't know. The only way I can understand it is, um, Harry Potter, like when they're meeting in secret <laughs> against Umbridge, yeah. you know, cause it's like, I can't imagine there's ever a time when you weren't allowed to congregate together you know what I mean like it's so mind-blowing to me because I've never experienced anything like that but so they were technically there these meetings were illegal and um the local the place this restaurant was so well loved by everyone in the community that law enforcement or like local officials knew that they would have like mass craziness on their hands if they tried to shut it down they would have so much backlash from the public that they couldn't, they were, their hands were tied. And so they got to keep having their meetings there. Um, So it became a huge staple um, in the black community. It hosts like one of the largest uh, or like the most important, they talk about the African-American art that's in there. Um, It's a really important part of the restaurant. Um, They hosted black voter registration campaigns. They would cash even for some of their regulars. So there weren't any black owned um, banks apparently in the area so even some of their regulars they would like cash checks on friday and it would be like come get your check cashed come have a poor boy and a beer and like dance like it became like 
the place oh to go God. on Friday in this in these communities because they were so disenfranchised. You know, it's mm-hmm. it's it's actually amazing, um, and it's it's kind of upsetting um, to think about at that time in our lives. But it's and it's even crazier to me that this woman like still is alive and lived through it. You know, and so anyway, um, they also hosted NAACP meetings there. Um, so. Fast forward to the present, Dookie Chase unfortunately did flood during Katrina. There's a lot, a lot of, um, like, information about Dookie Chase that I'm cutting out, um, mostly just because I didn't have, I, it's like, Katrina is a whole nother, like, monster to talk about. One day maybe we can talk about it, but it's, it's a lot. Um, so it did flood during Katrina. There was a lot of, um worry that it would never come back, but it was able to reopen in 2007. Um, and they talk about this like fundraiser they had there to like reopen it and keep it open and to save the black, um, all of the African American artwork and it's, you know, so it was able to reopen in 2007 since reopening. It has fed. Is it like a historic landmine? So everything in New Orleans is historic. Like I, we, DA and I were just talking about this and you, when you walk by, it's like, you only see people, and I'm not a city planner, so I don't know if this is the way that they choose to do it or the way they have to do it, but, like, you don't see them tearing down and rebuilding. You see them gutting and, and building in in lieu of. Because, like, everything sense. is historic. That that whole city is so, um, is so much culture. It's, like, right. what it's the so rest of the South it. lacks in culture and parts of it, like, this city has so, so, so deeply. So... Um, since reopening, it has hosted many and fed many important people, such as um, President Bush, Ray Charles, Hank Aaron, and President Barack Obama. Now, nice. Barack Obama is my favorite story. So it's like kind of like a thing. Like if you were a political person, you were coming in, you coming into New Orleans, you have to go eat at Dookie Chase's. Like you have to. Nice. And um, and so she tells this story. She told it on somebody feed Phil. Dookie Chase's is on somebody feed Phil, which was my obsession last week. Um, and I actually went to a couple of restaurants from somebody feed Phil when I was in new Orleans. So if you want to connect those dots, you can, but so Dookie chases was mentioned. Leah chase was mentioned. Phil, um, was like, it was one of like his biggest deals was like, get a picture with her. Cause she's a really big deal. And, um, and so, um, he, she tells this story about how when Barack Obama came to her restaurant, um, he ordered gumbo, like you have to order gumbo. And he, before he even tasted it, he just started putting Tabasco in it, like hot sauce in it. And she smacked his hand. Can you imagine? This, this 90 year old woman smacks the president's hand. Oh my God. Because you don't, you don't, you don't season her gumbo until you've tasted it. You don't, that's so insulting. Right, you don't right. even know. You don't even know if it's hot enough or not. So true. And it's, she tells this story with like, part of it's kind of like tee hee hee and part of it's like, no, he was trying to put hot sauce in my gumbo. And he got his hand smacked. Like, it's super funny. She's, she's very funny like that. And it's like, she's lived so much. She's lived enough to have the right to get to smack President Obama's hand if he tries to season her gumbo. Like, you don't She can be as sassy as she wants to be. She has earned it. Oh my gosh. Listen, hot, Tabasco is the blood of New Orleans. I get it. But don't you be putting it in Leah Chase's gumbo until you've (laughs) tried it. 
Awesome. So she was inducted into the James Beard Foundation, Who's Who, in 2010, and was awarded a Lifetime Achievement Award from the Southern Food Alliance in 2000. And in 2016, she received the James Beard Lifetime Achievement Award as well, which I didn't know this. I'm not like a big foodie. Um, but the James Beard is a really big deal. Like, that's, like, the best chefs get award. Like, it's a really, really big deal. Um, my friend Olivia. So you agree. You think it's a really big deal. Um, (laughs) my friend Olivia, when she found out that I didn't know what James Beard was, she was, like, appalled. I was like, I'm sorry. Like, I don't, I don't know. I mean, do you watch Top Chef? I don't watch Top Chef. Then you wouldn't really have a reason to know. Thank you, Alex. It's a good friend. Um, so, but it's a big deal. She was awarded it. That is a very big she deal. Was, she was also the inspiration for Disney's princess, Tiana, which is like, honestly, I'm not going to lie. Um, she's, so I, so I saw her speak um, at a women's conference in New Orleans I went to a couple years ago. Oh my and gosh. I had no I idea who imagine. she was. I had no idea who she was because, like I said, we're not really, like, super foodies in my family. I mean, like, my family's from New Orleans, so, like, everything my dad and my mom cook tastes, like, unbelievable. Um, And we eat really well. Like, my family's really into food, but, like, I guess we're not into food in, like, the foodie way we're into food. Sure. Right, right, right. So I didn't really know who she was. I'd recognized Dookie Chases, but I, like, didn't put it together. And then I read on the thing that she was Disney's inspiration for Tiana, and I lost my shit I lost it. I was like oh my god I have to meet this woman like she like oh, I can't even I I'm standing in greatness and then I heard her whole story and everything and I'm like oh wait no I'm actually like the being princess Tiana is so like it's like the lowest like that's how important she is like that's one of the lower ring rungs of her right impressiveness you know what I mean like for me that would that if I ever have that happen to me that's the highlight of my life. That's it. Like, you can put me in the ground right then. I'm good. I'm right. done. I've lived it. Disney but her, she's like, oh, dog yeah. mom. <laughs> yeah, that's that, all bye. That's, that's all I got. got. Um, so she was the inspiration for Disney Princesses Tiana, for Disney's Princess Tiana and the Princess and the Frog. The story goes that Disney creators were really wanting um, a story to inspire uh, their African-American princess from New Orleans. So they knew that she was going to be African-American. They knew she's from New Orleans and they wanted to give her like an inspiring story, which I think is pretty cool. Um, Absolutely. And then someone recommended Chase. So that's how like, that's how ingrained she is into this like city is that like someone like recommended her. Like, I can't even, I can't even fathom that. Like it's, you know, so, so she, when she, she talks about meeting with the Disney people and she didn't even actually like know what they were doing, like what it was. Um, she wasn't exactly sure like the purpose. She just kind of thought they wanted to talk to her because mm-hmm. I mean, everyone wants to talk to her. She's fascinating. And she basically just talked to them about her life. And let me see. I have a quote from her where she talks about, okay, yeah, I got it. Okay. So yeah, so she, they didn't know, she didn't understand why they wanted to meet. Um, she just, like, basically thought they wanted to meet and talk to her, so she talks about her life to them for, like, ever. And Aww. there's this really amazing quote that she says that I think kind of sums her up pretty well. It's in the Oprah.com magazine, if you want to fact check me. Um, she says, I talked to them for hours and didn't know what I was talking to them for. I was talking about my life, but that's another great thing about corporations like Disney. They know what it takes to bring people together. And that's what life is all about. They had a Cinderella. They had a Snow White. They had all types of little white princesses. So I guess the makers thought that it's about time we show a black princess. And that is the cutest thing. And they have done it in such a beautiful way. 
Um, although, and she says, it's good to see people grow to come together. You don't worry about what went down back what went down back down the years it's progress we know that we have to we know what we have to do and we know that life is about uplifting people and if you make people feel worthy they'll perform better so this movie can help inspire little girls which i thought was so sweet and it's very sweet and she also has a funny quote about people that say that the movie is kind of stereotypical and it depicts depicts characters kind of stereotypically and she's like yeah, well, you know, you showed us this way, like, we're country, like, we're Cajun, but, like, what's wrong with that? You know, it's cute. I like it. Like, it's a movie. She's very, like, what do you want from me, man? Like, she, and she has this whole, in the Southern Grits, in the Good Grits podcast, she has this whole thing about, like, does she prefer to be called black or African-American or this or that? Like, she's just very, like, she's lived through a lot of hard stuff, and she has a very clear indication of what's important to her. And it's not, she can't speak for the whole community. You know what I mean? Like, she can't speak for everyone. Everyone has things that's important to them. But she has a very, very clear dedication to what's important to her. And I really liked her takeaway um, from Tiana. Needless I to say, really, she's very happy about it. I really admire people like that that can get past, like, petty things and realize, like, the bigger picture in life and what yeah. is important and what's not. I really... Well, I think... I respect that immensely. I need to start I doing think that it more is, myself. I think it's so important, too, to the, the like, she's right. There's a, there's tons of little white princesses for little blonde girls um, to identify with. And I think that it's so, like, important that she, um, I think it's cool that she recognized, like, now there's a little black princess that they can look up to. And if you're white, you can still look up to Tiana. And if you're black, you can still look up to Ariel. You know, it's like, right. it just t- it totally depends on, I tell this story all the time, like, I didn't like Belle because she was a brunette. I am Belle, like, in terms of my life. Like, I like to read books. I'm kind of a, you know, I'm kind of bratty. Like, I, I, I am Belle. I get it. I liked Aurora because she was blonde and she looked like me. You know, like, I think mm-hmm. that it's cool that um, she recognizes that now, hopefully, kids will be inspired. And Tiana's not just black. She's a really important princess. She wants to work. She doesn't care that he's a prince. She wants to work and get her restaurant. She wants to honor her family. She has friends. You know, it's... It's about her... She's so much more than just being a black princess, and she's so inspiring, and I think that that's really cool. And so did Leah Chase, I think. I don't know, I can't speak for her. I need to go watch that movie now. Oh my god, it's so... I love... Princess and the Frog, I swear, so underrated. It's one of my favorite movies. It's not just because it's from New Orleans, and I get all nostalgic when I hear it, Um, but it's it really is so underrated. The music is actually very good. Um, the villain's very spooky. It's a good one to watch in Halloween time. Like, let's all watch it together. And all think right, of Leah Chase. The real person awesome who movie inspired night. it. She also has a few cookbooks, of course. Um, of course. So if you're interested in checking them out, I definitely would. So she's got the Dookie Chase cookbook. Uh, she's got a cookbook called And I Still Cook. Um, she's got a cookbook called Down Home and Healthy. And she mm. contributed to the Princess and the Frog Tiana's cookbook as well, of course. Oh, I love it. Yeah, so the podcast that I listened to about her that tells a story, so it's like, it's a it's a podcast, that's, I think produced by like a magazine, it's called Good Grits, um, and they read like a, I, I'm not, it's not a story, it's like a passage that she wrote, so they're reading it like through her words, it's like oh. six minutes long, it's really short, but it very well illustrates like her, it's very interesting, it's very well read, it's very well produced, 
Um, if you prefer reading it, I think there's also an article in Good Grits magazine if you want to look it up. I like it. Okay. Um, she's just she's very inspirational. She, you know, I when I listened to her speak, I was just kind of like amazed. Um, she's awesome. So if you get a chance, look her up. Find an article where she's talking or a clip of her talking, and um, yeah, it's really cool. I love her, Leah Chase. I love real that. life Tiana. I love that for right now too because I think the world needs more inspired women right now. Or yeah. Maybe I just do. Maybe I just need to, I don't know, embrace more. Well, and I feel like, I feel like New Orleans gets a lot of like party town, like, you know, like that's its culture, but that's not, it's just its culture. You know, it, the, it's, it's hardworking people. It's, um, a huge African-American community. It's food. It's family. Like, it's so much more than just a place where you can go and get drunk like I did all weekend. So, um, I thought I would honor New Orleans by talking about one of its, um, VIPs. It's MVPs. I really like that. I think it's gotta be really interesting for her to reflect back and see, um, what it was like for not only women back then, but, like, African-American women back then. And yeah, especially see, in the South. Right, and to see kind of how far we've come and how not far enough we've come and different things like that. It's got to be really interesting to be able to It's kind of interesting. I like hope that. it's not, like, sad. You know, I hope no. it's, like, we've come far. You know, I hope, but I, I don't know. I hope it I'll also, ne- I will, I'll never know, you know. I hope it also gives her a sense of, like, what a badass she is. Like, it's, it's just yeah. cool to be um, in activist but also just someone that stands up for what they believe in and you know yeah and and when you when you hear her talk like good for her well when you hear her talk she's so genuine you know she like she's so like i said earlier her her wisdom is not just this like older woman talking it's like she's learned and she's grown and she's seen things and she's lived through things and like her wisdom is very genuine she's very genuine when you hear her talk i like that I think it's important yeah. to stand up for what you believe in. I like that I think a lot. So too. Very cool. Speaking That's of such which, a generic comment. Gosh. I know. Cool. Listen, we're we're pretty much we're pretty much Wal- the Walmart of the you know of podcasts. We can't help it. We're generic. We're so generic. We are. Sorry, I'm still deflated by things recently, but it's okay. They'll get better. Yeah, the night is always darkest before the dawn. Wow. Your acne so, flare-up is always really bad before it clears up. Oh, my God. Is that a quote from Batman? Yeah, that's straight from Batman. Is that Batman. the Dark Knight? Right from there. Dr. Batman. Wow. Great. What are you obsessed with yeah. this week? Okay, I'm obsessed with Class Pass this week. Do you know what that is? I do. That's a Gina thing. Have you ever Gina used it? Class Pass. Gina would. Adorable little perfect Gina. <sighs> love her just kidding we love gina hi gina um have you ever used it though no okay so i so i just moved back home um but it has been Did you? are you like right now? i i i am uh, hi there oh my gosh can't you tell by my messy room um i and i haven't lived here full time since like 2009 you know what i mean it's been like a long time since I've lived here for full time. Yeah. So I'm not super familiar with like, you know, gyms and blah, blah, blah. And I really like spinning, but I really like the studio I spent out in Chicago. And I didn't want to just drop, a, spin studios are so expensive. I didn't want to just like drop all this money 
And, like, I work really far away from where I'm living right now. So it's, like, I don't know. I just needed, basically, a way to, like, still work out mm-hmm. when I want to and, like, try different places um, without having to commit to a membership. So my coworkers were like, oh, you should try ClassPass. And at first I thought I was going to hate it um, because you can only go to, like, three classes at a studio in a month. Um, and so I was like, but I found this one studio that I like, and I just want to keep going there. And it's like, okay, well, buy a membership. And I'm like, okay, that's fair. But yeah. it's actually really, really nice. I like it because you have to sign up, like, ahead of time. And if you don't go, you get, like, charged. So it's like it really motivates you to go because, like, you don't want to lose your wow. money. And you can go to, like, Pilates. You can do yoga. You can do spin. You can do, like, just the, you can buy gym time. Um, and it's way cheaper than buying individual classes. Like, insanely cheaper. Like, for what I could get two individual, so there's, like, different packages, but basically, like, you pay $50 a month, and you get, like, 30 credits. And if you average a class costing between, like, five to eight credits, I mean, you can get, like, you know, six to five classes out of this a month, which, if you're, you know, if you, if you just, like, take a, if you just pick up a class at a studio, they sometimes cost as much as, like, 25 bucks. Mm -hmm. So it's, like, you're, you know, you're really, if... If you're using it to, like, supplement a workout, it's a really good deal. Like, if you already have, like, if you run outside or if you have, like, a membership to some, like, you know, Planet Fitness or something, but you want to also do, like, yoga a couple days a month or you want to do spin a couple days a month, it's a really good, like, supplementary thing, I think. Um, That's kind of what I use it for. um, And I really, really like it. Um, And it's very easy to use. Like, the app is really nice. I just, I really like it. It's really motivated me to start working out more. I've been really busy at work, so I've been, like, you know, not good about it in the last two weeks. But I like it a lot. I've gotten to try, like, a lot of different studios that I would have never gone to before and kind of really decide exactly what I want. So, one day I'll be brave enough to try Pilates. I can go to. Um, Yeah, you should look into it. I love Pilates. You should totally try Pilates. But that's but the other thing though. So like, if you join a Pilates studio, they just have Pilates. If you join a spin studio, they just have spin. Like this kind of this class pass, you can do Pilates, you can do spin, you can do yoga, you can take kickboxing. I mean, it's like any kind of class in any gym you want. You know that they have. It's really really nice. Um, and if you want to do it, Alex, like for real, tell me and I can get you a free first month and you can like try it if you like. Yes, it. I would love to try it. I love spin. Okay, I'll send I you my yoga. code. I love all those things, but I don't, I need to But you only want to do it, like, a couple times. Well, the other That's thing exactly is, like, it. for me, I need to get back in the habit of going all the time. So, like, if I buy an unlimited studio pass, I'm probably going to still only go, like, five times a month. Let's be real. Like, I, you know, so, um, right. it's not worth it, you know? I will text you the deeds. Thank you. You're welcome. Thank you what so you much for that. This week? That sounds awesome. You're Um, what am I obsessed with this week? This week I'm obsessed with the Alzheimer's Association. Um, so I am a team captain for their Chicago walk this year. Um, it's coming up at the end of the month. Um, I've been posting all over my social media accounts about it. Um, I'll probably talk more about it later at some point. It'll probably be a topic of mine, but, um, Alzheimer's is something that really affects my family. Um, I -hmm. lost my really amazing um grandma who was also my best friend i lost her um early to alzheimer's uh which was the absolute worst um and unfortunately right now my aunt is also battling uh early onset alzheimer's and it is um really difficult for me to be totally honest Mm -hmm. um she is 
both these women were the most badass women and they were so brilliant and um yeah my my grandma was like she owned a storefront in the 1950s designing clothes for women like she was a really talented um seamstress and fashion designer and my aunt was an anesthesiologist and a fellow and she was awesome she founded a medical mission trip she did a bunch of really cool stuff so um yeah I find Alzheimer's to be particularly difficult um, for a family to deal with just because you it's it's just hard to watch someone's memory and mind deteriorate like that. Um, yeah. But it's kind of otherwise they are healthy. Right. Like right. their body can be. Yeah. That's the problem. You just yeah. your, your mind just literally kind of shuts down on you and it's really hard for a family to go through. But um, anyways. So I am I'm walking at the end of the month. My family and I are doing the race. Um and Yay. Maddie's going to do it with us and um, my sister and my mom and everybody. So it should be really fun. Um, but I started a team. Shadow's getting really into it now, too. <laughs> um, but, yeah, so I'm really excited. They hope to raise $1.3 million. And I wow. hope in some small way I can help them do that because uh, if if one less person gets Alzheimer's, it's then that's, that's what it's about. That's, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, they also do a lot to, like, support caretakers and support families and different things like yeah. that and people that are also yeah. affected by this disease. So I think they're a really great organization. I support them every chance I get, and you should too. Plus their color is purple, and purple is my favorite no. color. So it's anyways, a good color. So that's that. I'm obsessed with this week. And if you have a story about anyone in your family with Alzheimer's and you want to share it, I'm sure Alex would find it very interesting and maybe even comforting to hear from other people. Communities help um, with stuff like that a lot. Or any sort of nonprofit you're interested in. That's a big, yeah. it's a passion for both of us, so let us know. It sure is. Well, I think Shadow's had just about enough of this podcast. Shadow I think he is, is over it. He is Shadow's so like, patient, it has been an though. hour and 18 minutes, and I need your full attention back on me, Mom, so say bye to Aunt Kristen. I wish you could see the expression that he's giving me right now. He literally just has, like, one ear, like, kind of pointed <gasps> upwards, and he's like, but why, why aren't you even, You're like, not... looking at me? Why aren't you giving me love right now? Yeah, poor Shadow, okay. my butt. He's the neediest little guy. <laughs> <laughs> so much love. Yeah. Anyways, well, thanks for listening. Well, it's been real. All right. Remember to like us on social and do all of that at you for effort pod. Email us if you have any discrepancies in the, my not see story or you want to tell. Or if I messed up Leah about, Chase's name the whole time. There you go. Tell um, me. Bam. Anything. Love you. Mean it. XOXO. Bye. Bye.